Superman. Hey guys, we're going to be starting a series today on Elijah and talking about kind of the superheroes in the Bible. And so I wanted to come out like a superhero so that you know what we're talking about today. But I'm also crazy hot. And so you've seen it. Everybody get a look. I saw a couple pictures. I know. Fairly amazing. I'm going to put this back here now just because I'm dying. Um, whoops. Ah, Superman's not holding on for me. There we go. All right. So Superman's right there if you need to see him, be reminded. So, and I grew up Pentecostal, so I have to have a hanky. So, hallelujah. No, actually, I'm just really hot. So, guys, <laughs> some of y'all got that. So, so um, we're going to be talking about superheroes for the next five weeks. And so you get me week one and me week five, and you get the good creamy filling in the middle, which will be Chris for weeks two, three, and four. We're going to be kind of like an Oreo. So... Um, I'm the wholesome part on the outside. Chris is going to be the good part in the middle. So as we, as we talk about today, if you guys want to go on and turn in your Bible or the YouVersion Live event, um, you're, we're going to be spending most of our morning in 1 Kings chapter 7 um, talking about kind of the beginning of Elijah's ministry, where he shows up and becomes a superhero, and just kind of unpacking what are the tools? I mean, like what made Elijah different than you? Why, did a, why do we still, thousands of years later, Think of Elijah as a superhero. Like, what did he do? How did that happen? And, and, and how could maybe, in your wildest dreams, could God begin to use you in the same way that he used Elijah? So, I got a couple pictures here, because as I think of superheroes, these are my kind of superheroes. Tony Stark and Iron Man, right? Any Iron Man fans in the room? Yeah. All right, next one. I'm Batman, right? So Bruce Wayne, Batman, we're going to come back to these later, and you're going to know why these are important. But two of my favorite superheroes, they're crazy cool, they have neat outfits, cool gadgets, they have all the things they need to be superheroes. So as, as we begin to dig into where we're going to go, and, and I'm going to give you a little history to kind of find out where we are in the world. So um, God's chosen people, the Israelites, um, have been delivered from Egypt, if you remember the whole Moses thing, setting my people free. You know, that whole deal, that's happened, and, and we've moved on, and we've gotten the promised land, and we've gotten kings now, because Israel wanted to be like other nations. And so they've ended up with a king named Ahab. And you may not know who Ahab is, but you've probably heard of his wife, Jezebel. Um, and so they have become an extremely evil kingdom. They are in no way looking like God's chosen people anymore. And in fact... Ahab had, become, had, had gotten so far from God and so evil that, that he decided to worship this God named Baal. Um, and, and it was an idol that man created. And, and so he decided to build a temple to Baal. And, and he was so far from God and so in love with what he could create that he killed two of his sons. One when they started building the temple and buried his body in the foundation. 
and another that he buried in the building as they were finishing it. And so it's one thing when we as Americans become very far from God. I know we think we're God's chosen people, but we're not. Like everyone on earth now is God's. But these were the Israelites. These were the people set apart. These were the people that Moses showed up and the miracles happened and the plagues hit and the sea was divided and they were given a land, just handed to them. And these people, not just their king, but the entire country had turned very, very far from God. They looked like anything but God. And so that's where we are. And that's, that's where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Elijah's going to show up. And so we're going we're gonna to start in 1 Kings, um, and I think I said 7 earlier, and I'm sorry, it's 17.1. Um, so we're gonna, if you'll pull that up on the screen, we'll start there. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe of Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So let me give you the picture. Crazy evil king will kill his own children. Out of nowhere, this guy we've never heard of, regular guy, shows up, somehow walks up in front of the king, delivers a message that he didn't want to hear, dropped it like it's hot, and walked out of the room. I mean, really, I mean, that's the, that's the picture you need. He just comes in and is like, bam, holla, and he's out, you know? And, and we're talking about a king who's killed his own children. So, you know, Elijah did this knowing that there could be a cost to pay. Um, and God completely saved him from that. And, and over the next couple of weeks, as, as Chris moves farther into Elijah's story, you're going to see that. The word Elijah, the name Elijah actually means the Lord is my God. And so just Elijah walking into the room and standing before the king and saying, hey, my name's Elijah, basically told the king everything he needed to know. I'm here on, I'm here on God's behalf. Um, you'll hear a word in churches a lot, and we're going to talk about it some today. It's the word prophet. Um, and and king, the, the, the books of kings are all about prophets coming and, and delivering words to the kings of Israel. And, and the word prophet, or, or what you need to think of, these are basically the voice of God for his people. These are the people that when, when God needed to tell something to a nation, he called up a prophet. And so God would give the prophet the message and the message would, and, and the prophet or the voice or the messenger would come and speak. And so, so this is what has happened here. He's just walked in and dropped the message. And I want you to understand the impact of what he has said. You know, we had a financial crisis a few years ago, right? A couple of y'all may remember, like houses stopped selling, tons of foreclosures, people lost their jobs. Things were kind of bad. We, you know, stock market went down, so some of us have less retirement. And, and we all acted like the world was ending. And, and it was tough. And so for, and for a lot of us, if we lost jobs and stuff, that was a very real pain. What I need you to understand is this isn't a few people losing jobs, and this isn't a few people losing some of their retirement. This is an entire nation where all of a sudden water stopped. And when water stops, crops stop. When crop stops, food stops. When water stops, creeks go dry, animals die. So, so we're not talking about an inconvenience. We're talking about God's chosen people, this entire nation now, is hungry and dying. That everything that could be considered wealth is gone. And so for you and I, this looks like no gas at the gas pumps, no job to go to, no food in the kitchen, watching your children starve to death. I mean, this was a heavy message. This was a big deal. And Elijah just walks in and drops it. And somehow God delivers him from that and pulls him out. And we're going to see that in just a minute. But right now, like, like what gives a regular guy 
the strength and the ability and the fortitude to step up and deliver a message like that. And so I want to talk about three things that, that kind of caused that to happen. Um, the first one, Elijah believed in the reality of God. He believed God was real. Um, and just to kind of break that down simple for you and I, like what is there in your life that cannot be explained without the existence of a real God? Like for me, this is, it's funny that I'm preaching this sermon today and as I began unpacking it and seeing that message, it was funny because I have a tattoo on my arm. And I know all of you are reading it, so I don't need to explain it. But now this is Ethiopian and, and that's a big part of my story, but this is Azabaher Bicha. And it basically, if translated literally, means God only. Or if spoken in English, we would say only God. And the reason that's on my arm is because that is the story of my life. Like there's going to be a day where a bunch of you come to like this party that my wife has when, when I'm gone. And, and I've told her that needs to be a party because I'm gone. Like, like think of it like this. I like to tell people when I'm gone, all that's going to happen at my funeral is you guys are going to be throwing away a Snickers wrapper. I've already eaten the Snickers. The Snickers is gone. Everything that's good is in heaven. All that's left is the wrapper. So I've told my wife, go cheap and have fun. But when that happens, I want some of you to stand up and say, and those of you who know me best and know my story, you can say this with honesty. Only God could have done that with Luther. Luther wasn't that good. He wasn't that smart. He didn't have it in him to do that. And yet God, for some strange reason, decided to use this imperfect guy to show his love and his message to the world. And so only God. And so Elijah knew that. Elijah knew that God was real and there was this thing in his life that he could only explain because of the presence of God in his life. The next thing that Elijah had to know was Elijah knew that he was a representative of the living God. And that's just a big way to say that he knew that God called him and that he could speak for God. And it says in, in 1 Kings 17, 1, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve. I'm serving God, and because I serve God, and because he's real, and because he's big, I can speak on his behalf. A lot of you need to know that. A lot of you, well, all of you, all of you have a voice. All of you have a platform. All of you have people that you have influence over. And I'm guessing for a lot of you, you struggle to live your faith out loud because you're worried about what somebody's going to say or you're worried about losing a friend or I'm going to go from 300 friends on Facebook to 74 if people know who and what I really am. You're a representative of the living God. You're a representative of, the, of that God who's done that thing in your life that can only be explained by God being real. And so you have the right to speak for God. Now need to couch that with something. Here are the things you don't speak for God. You don't speak anything God doesn't tell you. So God doesn't need you to speak on his behalf and tell people how to vote. He doesn't need to hear about your bigotries. He doesn't need to hear about your anger. He doesn't need to hear about your hatefulness. What you need to speak in the name of God is love and truth and grace and redemption. And sometimes grace and truth go together and sometimes that's a hard message had an opportunity to, to speak to someone this week who's going through a really hard thing. And the easy thing in that conversation would have been to wrap my arms around him and tell him everything was going to be okay and put a smile on and move on. And the reality of what I told him was this is an opportunity for you to look like Jesus in your marriage. 
That was a hard message for me to tell. I'm just gonna be honest, it was really hard for me to say because I knew it hurt a little bit. This was an opportunity for this guy to live his faith out loud and for his wife to get to see him be the spiritual leader of his home. And, and, and as this guy was crying and the message he wanted to hear was, it's all gonna be okay. And as we're gonna see in a minute, even when we do things the way God wants us to, it's not always okay. It doesn't change who God is and what he is, but you have to speak for God. And when you speak on God's behalf, you should be listening to the Holy Spirit and you should be saying those things that are not contrary to God's character or his word, which means you have to know God's character and you have to read his word if you wanna speak on his behalf. The third thing that gave Elijah the confidence to speak on God's behalf and to show up and drop this message, Elijah was convinced of the resources that God had made available to him. For, for, for men who loved God and served God in this time, one of the things they would have done as a boy is they would have memorized the Pentateuch. Big word, they would have memorized the first five uh, books of the Bible. Like they would have been able just to quote that. They had no TV, no video games, no songs to sing other than the songs which were coming later and so that's a whole other story. And so, and so their mind wasn't cluttered up with all the stuff we're cluttered up with so they read God's word and they read those first five books of the Old Testament and they knew those and they could quote those and they could hold on to those. And, and so when we read that scripture that comes with the Elijah was convinced of the resources that God made available to him and it says as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. That wasn't something that he just made up. That was something that was buried deep in his heart. That was a message he already knew. That was a message that the children of Israel should have known if they had not run far from God. See, in Deuteronomy 11, um, verses 16 and 17, it says, but be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from God and serve or worship other gods. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the rain, and the ground will fail to produce its harvest. Then you will quickly die in the good land the Lord is giving you. Let's remember, God's chosen people, delivered from Egypt, given this land that God had promised to give them. Land flowing with milk and honey. Basically, you could grow anything. It was fruitful. This was a wonderful place to live. God said, love me, serve me, be happy. Children of Israel said, we got this, we're good, we're gonna serve our own gods we create. Thank you much. Elijah knew what God had said would happen if that was the choice they made. And so Elijah came in and with confidence spoke the word of God. See, Elijah wasn't speaking what he believed to be true. Elijah was speaking what he knew was true. So here's this beautiful thing about God's character. You and I, we get up every morning and we make a choice to whether we're gonna be men and women of character. See, we get up in the morning and we set a price on our integrity. We say something like, well, for this amount, I'll lie. Or to keep this many friends, I'll twist the truth a little bit. See, God's not capable of that. See, God doesn't say, well, if in my business dealings, if I fudge a little, I can be more profitable. See, God is truth. That doesn't, God doesn't tell the truth. God doesn't decide to be honest when he wakes up in the morning, which he doesn't wake up, and so that's complicated. But, um, but God is truth, like all the time. He's always truth. There is no moment where God has to decide, I wonder if I really mean that. 
See, so, so if there's something in God's word that you love, bury it deep in your heart. Because that is a truth you can hold on to every day. You know, right, right before we did that last song, or maybe it was during the song, J.D. talked about, you know, taste of the Lord and see that I am sweet. God already knows that if, that if you come and you experience his presence, he knows it's sweet. God knows that when he said th- says things like you are perfectly and wonderfully created, that means that when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you can look at, your, the, you can look at yourself the way God looks at you. See, there was this moment where God took nothing and he put it together and he breathed into you and then let you out. And he took a few steps back and he went, mmm. And he turned to the angels and everybody in heaven and said, look what I did. Look what I made. Look at him. Look at her. Mmm. That you can hold on to that as truth. When the world tells you that you're not smart enough, not fast enough, the wrong color, the wrong this, too poor, too rich, too whatever, you can let those messages fall away. Because the message you hold on to is the one that, that you know is true. Because God is truth. And so when God says, you are perfectly and wonderfully made, I've made you to do a good work. Mm, I can bury that deep in here. And when the world around me spins and everything's out of control, there's this pole in the middle of the room. And I can wrap my arms around that pole. And no matter what happens, no matter how big the tornado, the hurricane, the flood, this pole does not move. And this pole is God and it's his word and it's his truth. And you can hold on to that every day. And that's the only resource you need to be able to, keep, to be God's voice. Knowing the promises of God's word gives us power. We need to know what is available to us to change the world. In, in, in the book of James, way farther back down in the Bible, New Testament, we learn a little more about Elijah. In James chapter 5, 17, it says, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, None fell for three and a half years. That's praying right there. I mean, sometimes we pray stuff and we're almost afraid God will answer it, right? Like like some of us, we don't like change, but we'll still pray that God, God do this in my life. Like give me that new job, maybe. I'd have to change jobs, tell someone I'm quitting. Um, I mean, really. Sometimes we, smir- we serve a very small God. See, Elijah prayed here like God was big. See, for us, a lot of times, we view God as like this spiritual vending machine. So here's what our prayer life looks like if we have one. We walk up to God. We drop in a quarter. And we say, God, you're good. And then we start pushing buttons. God, I want this. And I want this. And I want this. And we just expect it to drop. God is our spiritual vending machine. This was, God, this was Elijah praying a message that he didn't want to pray, speaking a message he didn't want to speak. He was one of God's chosen people. He lived in Israel. He was praying and, and, and he was telling the world something bad's going to happen and it's going to happen to me too. This wasn't, this wasn't the, the, the spiritual vending machine. And so we're viewing Elijah. He's going to be this superhero to us later. But at this moment, everyone in Israel hates him. And, and as time's about to pass, they're going to hate him even more. And so, so next, you know, God gets him out of there. We said he comes in, he drops it like he's hot, he gets out. And then God tells him in, in, Deuter- in sorry, 1 Kings 7, 2 through 4, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook. 
near where it enters the Jordan River, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. Yum! Food out of a nasty bird's mouth for the next two years of his life, living by himself, lonely, with everyone still alive in his country hating him. I don't know about you, but when I do something good for God, man, I want an attaboy. I want a pat on the back. I want to be named like the new king of Israel, bad. Old king, bad, I drop this message, get out, I can be new king, cool, right? You do something good for God, you want some praise. Maybe the high priest. Now I can be the high priest, God. Let me be the new high priest. The old high priest wasn't doing anything. Let me take this, right? Good? I'm the man, right? God loves me more than you. Sorry. That's not what happens. God says, oh, by the way, thanks for that hard work. Hey, go live by yourself for a long time. I'm sorry, what'd you say? God, God, no, 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 no seriously. Um, see that thing I just did for you? You want me to do what? You want me to go live in the middle of nowhere by myself and have birds feed me? Sounds like fun, right? What we're gonna see is that a lot of times when, when we feel like we've arrived, when, when, we're, when we're super Christian, when we begin to be a little self-righteous, that God says, man, I really appreciate what you did, but man, I've got a bigger plan for you. And I need you to look more like me than you do like you. And so sometimes God takes us out of where we think we should be, being worshiped, being praised in ourself, and he makes us look more like him. And sometimes that means whittling away the stuff that's on us and in us until we look more like him. See the word careth there, the careth brook, it means to cut off or cut down. You know, it's, it's, it's as if God is saying, I'm gonna take you through a season of breaking. I'm gonna cut you down, I'm gonna humble you. I'm gonna teach you to be totally dependent on me. I'm gonna humble you privately before I use you pub publicly. I love that. I'm gonna take you down privately before I can use you publicly. See, God doesn't need you to be big. God knows what you are and who you are and I'm amazed still that on any level God uses any of us to do ministry. And I don't mean pastors and I don't mean small group leaders, I mean you and me. Like I don't work as a pastor full time, I have a regular job just like you and I go to work every day and, and I meet people and I have the opportunity to show love and to show grace, to be a man of character when it costs me money, when it costs me friends. Um, one of the things that God a couple years ago in his beautiful plan began to change mine and my wife's hearts and he called me to do something I never thought I'd do which was open my own business. It was not on my bucket list at all. I was perfectly happy where I was and I didn't understand it at the time and I really felt like I'd done a lot for God. You know, like when God called us to do it, we were faithful and in eight days, we went from perfectly happy to opening our own business. Huge step of faith. And I'll be honest, I kind of felt like a Boy Scout who'd earned a badge. I was like, look at me, got the faith badge, check it out. Don't know what you've done in your life, but look at the step we just took. I was like Elijah, I walked in, I dropped it like it was hot. I expected good things to happen. And God said, yeah, hey, by the way, that's step one. I got some other stuff for you to do. Those are gonna cost you more. Those are gonna change your plans more. In fact, those plans you've got, wad those up and throw those away. Don't like them, you're not keeping them. 
But in the fact that I've opened my own business now is I'm my own boss. And see, when I worked for other people, I understood what that meant. I, as a Christian, I was to be the best employee there. I was to work harder, work smarter, work faster, be a man of character. But it wasn't, I wasn't being paid to share Jesus. And so in private moments, when people asked why I was different, I would share. But I didn't get paid to, to use a big churchy word, proselytize. I didn't get paid to live my faith out loud. I own my own business now. I can do whatever I want. And so, so if the customers and the people that work with me don't like closing with me or don't like doing business with me because I live my faith out loud, I'm okay with that. And I have in, in some weird, strange way to a lot of, I work around realtors, and in a lot of strange ways, I have become like this pastor to realtors who don't know God. See, on two occasions after doing that, within about nine months, I had two different realtors come to me with basically the same message. Hey, my child died. And, and I don't go to church, and I don't know God. And as far as I know, you're the only pastor I've ever hung out with. And I don't ever come to your church, but, but I need someone to preach my son's funeral. And see, so I thought I was doing this thing for God. And what I was doing is God was preparing me to be in a place he needed me to, needed me to be, to be Jesus to someone who was very far from God. It had nothing to do with me had all to do with God. And so, so God was doing this thing privately in me so that I could do this thing publicly for him later. So, so we're in Kareth, or we are, Elijah is, separated from everybody, broken, lonely, basically has whatever's inside him, which is those first five books of the Bible, and he's digging into those, and he's letting God speak to him, and God's feeding him every day and getting him, giving him what he needs, not what he wants. God not being a spiritual vending machine. God saying, I love you enough to give you what you need, not what you want. If you're a parent, you know exactly what that looks like. You've given your child a gift, not the one they asked for for Christmas, but the one you knew was better for them and the one that in the long term may, may do something and may build them into a better person. And so... In my own experience, in God doing that, you know, Chris and I preached together, oh, it's been a couple months ago, I think, and, and I shared the story, and I'm not going to dig into all the details, but like 13 years ago, almost 14 years ago, um, I had put myself on a pedestal, and I was doing a lot of work for God. I had started doing work with God. I had been called to a ministry, and I was doing that, and God was showing off in that. And somewhere in that process, I began to say yes to other things that people asked me to do. Because I, I really enjoyed the praise, I'm just gonna be honest. It was nice to hear people say, look what Luther is doing there. Luther's doing an amazing job at this. And I got very self-inflated, very self-righteous. And, and, and the next things that happened, God didn't choose. I, I don't believe in any way that God chose for, for me to commit adultery and lose my ministry and my family and my job. I just, I lost everything. And I don't think that was God's choice. What I think happened was Luther got so self-righteous and I stopped working with God and started working for God. And in that process, somewhere along the way, like God and me were here and that's where I was supposed to be. And I slowly inched away from God like didn't realize I was doing it and didn't set out with evil intentions. But everything became about me and making me feel good and making me happy. 
instead of making God happy by the things I do. And so I reached this place where actually about three miles from here, I sat in my car on a Sunday morning and I was all alone. I had no family. I had no friends. It was me and a God that I didn't feel like I could talk to. I remember sitting in my Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme on a Sunday morning because I couldn't go to church, looking at the headliner and just thinking, man, if I could talk to God right now, I don't know if I would. Because if I'm talking to him, then he's talking back and I know what he's got to say. And see, you guys go to church in a really safe place. I'm going to be honest. This, I grew up in a very traditional church world. And, and the phrase we used to use about the traditional church world was that the church was the only army in the world that would shoot its wounded. And some of you left church for that reason, right? Like, like we're a church for people who left church and want to come back and hear about God, but maybe aren't necessarily interested in what you grew up in, right? We're a group of people who, who saw that happen and never went to church. Like, that's why one church exists. That's why Chris started this church, for people who want to know about God but are struggling with the idea of the church. That's not the world I was in. I was in the shoot the wounded camp. And it was in that isolation, much like the isolation that Elijah experienced, that God began to show me who and what he wanted me to be. And God began to show me that the one thing in the room I need to hold on to is him. I don't need to hold on to my abilities. I don't need to hold on to my successes. I don't need to hold on to my ministry. None of that matters if it happens outside of God. Like if I'm doing it without God, it's not ministry. It's just me. And, and so for a lot of us, we need to understand that, that, when, that when God calls you to be his voice and God calls you to speak, don't speak what you want to speak. Speak what God speaks in and through you. If what you're saying doesn't agree with what you've read in God's word, then you're not talking for God. If the Holy Spirit reaches, your, reaches inside you and grabs your stomach and says, I don't know if I like that or not, you should probably shut up. No, seriously. Elijah comes on the scene, drops it like it's hot, and God says, oh, by the way, go shut up for two years. Go live by yourself for two years. And you're going to see in the weeks to come that, that God then gives him an audience of two. The voice of God for a nation has to speak to two for two years. God did the same thing in my life by God's grace and proof that God is big and God is real and that there are moments in your life that can only be defined as because of God. My wife loves me. My wife chose me knowing just how evil I could be. She became a picture of what it looks like for God to show you his love. And so God restored my family. And over years, he eventually restored some relationships with friends and, and other people and Never thought I'd see ministry again. Never thought I'd be a voice for God again. And God, hitting straight with a crooked stick, thought that was funny and said, no, 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 no. I didn't save your marriage. I didn't save you for you to go sit down and shut up. I told you to shut up for a season, but I told you to shut up here so I could make you what, what I look like so that you can then come speak and look like me. And I wish I did that better every day. I'm just going to be honest, and I don't. We see in the, in the next couple of verses there. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a, after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere. 
I imagine at some point, Elijah probably even became comfortable in his life of loneliness and his life of pain and God just showing up with the stuff he needed. And we see here again that just like in your life, when you go through those seasons of pain and loneliness and hopefully you're learning that the one thing you can hold on to is God, that God at some point is going to unsettle you to make you realize that now it's time to move. Now it's time to take the fact that I've made you look more like me and go use that. And so that's what God does here. And, and Chris is going to unpack that next week. And, and, and as we, as we kind of round this out and close this up today, I, I come back to that idea that Elijah wasn't special. That Elijah wasn't a superhero. He was just a normal man. Um, you know, our big idea today is that, is that to be a superhero, you have to find the source of superpower. So you don't possess it. It's not in you. Um, you know, those, those pictures, I think, if they're still in there, if you can go back to the pictures uh, of Tony Stark and Iron Man. Like, like, if you walked up to Tony Stark, just standing here in front of me, and you pulled a gun out and showed him, shot him, Tony Stark could die, right? He's not super just standing there by himself. When Tony Stark wraps himself in the source of power, he then becomes someone that you can go up and attack and he stands strong, and he speaks steady because he's found the source of power. Same thing for Batman. When, when Bruce Wayne is just a guy, he's a rich guy, but he's still a guy. But when he puts on that armor and he has the gadgets, he now has power. See, see when you bathe yourself in what God promises you and what, what God gives you in his word, and you put those things in your gadget belt, you now have power. When you realize that the source of power is not you and it's God, you can now be the superhero that God has called you to be and that God wants you to be around the people in your life. And so, so like as you leave here today, the thing I want you to hear most of all is that you can be a superhero. Like, like a couple weeks ago, we did the text series and we took your live questions. One of my favorite questions, and I didn't get to answer it, was who is the most underrated person in the Bible? And we had some great answers. We had like talking donkeys and some really crazy, cool, fun stuff. But, but my answer, and I didn't give it that morning because a lot of other people answered, is you. The most underrated person in the Bible is you. See, see the Bible was written for you. The Bible is a love story from God to you. It's a love letter. It's God saying, man, I know one day that you're going to be born. Right there, you. You're beautiful. Yep. Oh, didn't mean to make you. See, God knew one day that you were going to be born. And he celebrated that. And he created this wonderful world for you to live in, free of sin, free of sickness. And then we told God, yeah, hey, look, it's not you, it's me. Can we still be friends? But I don't want to, like, do this thing anymore. And so the rest of the Old Testament is God saying, oh, but I really want you back. See, like, I made you to, to, to hang out with you made you to be like in a relationship with and I don't want to lose that it's so like how do I get you back and so God figured out oh there's this there's this price I can pay and that maybe you could take me back if I do this thing if I send my son and all the wrath that I should have for you and all the anger that I should pour out on you for leaving me I'm gonna pour out on him and then you and I we can be in love we can be in love again you know like we can have a relationship again we can we can hang out and like that's the Bible and it's written for you and about you 
And so the most underrated person in the Bible for most of us is us. Like you forget that. And you forget there's power in that. And so if God did everything he did for you, not for all of us, he would have done it for only one of us. Like you should leave here today and know that you can be a superhero. Like God didn't do all that just for you to come sit here on Sunday mornings and nod your head occasionally and go, wow, that was a good message or wow, I'll be glad when Chris is back next week and then go live like however you want. Like God did all that so you could do something, so you could look like him and be like him and love like him. And that's how you become a superhero this week. You go find a couple verses that you can hold on to. That they're the steadiness in the room when everything is spinning. You now have the resources. God's told you you're his voice. I'm taking a group of eight other people, nine of us total, and we're flying to Ethiopia this Thursday. And we're not going to do anything. We're just not. We're going over there to be. We're going over there to just tell God, man, God, I know that, that I don't see the world the way you see the world. And God, I know that there are things that you weep about every day that I don't know to cry for yet. And God, there are things that make you smile that I've never seen. And so, so I'm going to take this group over there and we're just going to tell God, God, we're going to sit at the feet of people who look like Elijah. People who have discovered that they have, they have a big real God who has called them to be his voice and has given them everything they need to go live in a, in a strange land and give up everything they know and change the world to look like Jesus. We're going to go hang out with those people and we're just going to listen to them. We're going to love on them. We're going to take them some chocolate. Um... We're going to take them some stuff they can't get there. And your kids today, if you have kids in here that are school age, are down there right now making shirts for me to take and pass out in Africa. And so, like, they're getting it. And I'm getting ready to walk down there in just a minute, so we're going to end the sermon a little differently. You're going to, we're going to end it with me walking. Um, and we're going to go down there and see what the kids are doing. You'll see it on the screens. Then we're going to pray together, and then Dave's going to come out and, and, and finish us up with some announcements. But we're showing your kids today that they can be superheroes with one small step. And so as, as I start heading that way, I'm going to finish talking through that. But like you guys can do that too. Like you guys can be a part of our trip. Like, like even if you can't go, you have resources. Like you have stuff. And you have the ability to pray. Like really pray. Not pray like you don't believe but pray like you believe that God is real and God's resources were meant for you. You have that ability. And so, so for some of you this morning, that means that you can write a check. You can write a check to one church before you leave today and you can give it to me or one of the people wearing the same shirt that I've got on. And you can say, man, I want you to change the way ministry is done in Ethiopia. I want you to love on somebody there. I want you to bless something. Some of you this week, for the first time in your life, Pray for something other than what you want. Not just pray to a vending machine, God, but pray to see God change lives and change the world. And I want you to see what your children have done today. Your children have made these beautiful t-shirts that we're gonna take, and that as we hand these to people in Ethiopia, we're gonna think of their faces. And we're gonna tell these people that, that children in America who have food and who, compared to them, have plenty, love them. And that these children want to look more like Jesus every day when they wake up. And so these children 
are, are doing something to look like Jesus. They want to be superheroes one day. They want to look like Superman, right? Right, guys? How cool is that, right? Like we get to look like Superman just by loving people the way Jesus loves people. And so, and so I, want to, I want to close this in prayer and Dave's going to come out. And I want you, as you come pick up your kids, I want you to thank their leaders and thank the people that have spent time this morning telling your children what it looks like not just to love Jesus, but to live out their faith. And that church happens outside of this building. And that when you become a superhero for God, you have a voice. You become the voice of God. So, so guys, let's pray. God, I love you. And God, I believe you are real and you are big. God, I believe that you've called me to be your voice. And God, I believe that you've given me everything I need to do that. That God, you, that, that, that I can chase after you and that I can know your character by spending time with you. That I can know how you want me to live and love and act simply by reading your word and listening to your voice. That God, sometimes in that season of shut up, you teach me the most. So that God, I can then come out and I can talk like you and love like you and look like you. Because the world doesn't need to see me. The world needs to see Jesus. Jesus, you are the answer to every problem, every friend that I know has. Whether it's their marriage falling apart, their finances falling apart, their eating disorder, their addictions. God, the answer to all those things is Jesus. And, and if we're showing people anything but Jesus, we're showing them the wrong thing. And so God, as we go this week, I pray that we look more like you. We love more like you. And God, we live like you. In your name we pray, amen.